Well, good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. Welcome, uh, families. If we have first-time visitors in the room, I am unaware of you because of the number of families, which is, which is okay, which is okay. We're glad, that, we're glad that you are here. And as you can tell uh, behind me, we have kids' turns starting tonight, and I hope uh, that you will bring uh, any, any child, kid, kid who, you know, old person who thinks they're a kid, anybody who loves kids' stuff um, at 6 p.m. tonight as we kick off Four nights of just ministry to children. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, for the last three months, uh, we have talked about uh, a new life that God has invited us, or the term is called us, uh, to live. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, The old has gone, the new is here. And so he's saying that if you are in Christ, meaning if uh, what was shared earlier during worship time, if you invite Christ into your life, uh, you are in Christ, Christ is in you, that you are a new creation. That the old you is in the the rearview mirror, the new you is in the front windshield, and, uh, and that involves a life to live and a work to do. Um, we looked uh, a few months ago back at that work to do that Paul frames it in this terminology as an ambassador for Christ, that we are actually uh, God's representatives and doing the work of God, which is reconciling the world to God through Christ. And that in this calling and in this invitation, we find ourselves living a life of exchanging old ways for God's ways. Uh, whether that's the way we think, whether that's the activities we're doing, uh, we find this great exchange going on throughout our life. Uh, We also find ourselves doing or having God ask us to do things that we really don't feel qualified to do, right? He often uh, invites us out on a limb to say, hey, I don't, either I don't feel qualified, meaning smart enough, uh, you know, talented enough, those kinds of things, or I don't feel properly resourced to do that. And God says, trust me. And he leads us into faith doing those things. We also find that God equips us. He equips us through his word, which is why if you're a churchgoer or if you've been around church at all in your life, you discover that there's this emphasis on reading your Bible. And oftentimes when I was, when I was younger, I saw that as like half to eat my vegetables, like, oh, I got to read my Bible because it's good for me, right? Like, uh, you know, but what we discover is that God equips us through reading his word. As we read, we discover this new life. We're empowered by this new life. And we, he, so he equips us for this through the reading of his word. He also equips us through leaders. He gives us pastors. He gives us teachers. He gives us mentors. He gives us parents. He gives us just leaders in our life to help equip us to live this new calling, this new life in him. And he also gives us the Holy Spirit, which is a huge component of equipping us to live this way. Because the Holy Spirit guides us. Uh, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, whether those gifts are natural gifts, ministry gifts, or what we talked about last week is just the spiritual gifts or the supernatural gifts. Um, 
And in all of this, if you've been on this journey, uh, what we discover is this. We begin to grow and discover this new life in Christ, and it becomes really exciting. And some of you maybe have been in Christ for a long time, and your walk right now isn't all that exciting. But if you go back to that first few years when you said yes to Christ and you began to uh, live that way and follow his ways, all of a sudden life changed. You started thinking different. You started understanding different. You, get, you began to find healing. You began to find direction and guidance in your life. You began for the first time to hear God speak to you, which is amazing. I equate it to a relationship with my wife. I mean, I, I know this is getting a little personal, but I remember like the first time my wife hugged me and I felt her skin against my skin. It was electrifying. Right? It was like, woo, you went home, you couldn't sleep for hours. Right? Uh, it's not so that way now after 27 years. She still electrifies me, but, that, but it's different, right? And it can be true in our walk with God, that first connection with God, that first interaction, and it's like, wow. And then as we get older in our walk and more mature in our walk, it's not, you know, it's like, oh yeah, met with God today. You know, like, it can get... Um, it, it takes a different form. So, we also, in this new life, can experience the changes that happen within us, that, that God leads us through and draws us to. And all of it's super exciting. We begin to know God. We begin to develop and grow. We begin to serve God. We begin to jump in to this new life. And things get really exciting when you experience the supernatural with God. Things that things that are not natural, things that should not happen or normal, like God speaks to you something that uh, you shouldn't know, or you, you pray for somebody and they get healed, uh, or just something supernatural, and that becomes super exciting and super electrifying. All of this stuff is ex- uh, normal, all of this stuff is good, all of this stuff should be happening. But with all of this personal change, and all this personal growth, something happens to all of us. Our focus is on ourselves. And Paul knows this, and Paul addresses this. You see, do you know that statistically, once you've come to Christ, within four to five years after coming to Christ, you stop sharing the gospel? You stop talking about Jesus? You stop sharing this awesome faith journey with your friends and your family. Because when you first had it, it was exciting. But as you see all this focus, and this becomes on God's healing me, and God's growing me, and God's investing in me, and I feel God in this, in my relationship with God, the common denominator of all this is me, my, I. And so when Paul wrote to us that we looked last week about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he taught us, like, hey, the Holy Spirit has a supernatural gift for you. And that's exciting, this gift that God gives us. And, and woohoo, man, it's exciting to have God work through me and all these kinds of things. And then Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, right after his teaching about this gift, he writes this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Have any of you ever sat next to, like, 
uh, had a drummer who just loves to ride the cymbals. I mean, sometimes it's just like, ah, right? That's what Paul is talking about here. Man, if you can speak eloquently, if you can do, but, but you don't have love, you're just, you're just annoying. You're just an annoying sound. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to the hardships that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So basically Paul's saying, listen, if you possess all these gifts, if all the things that God has done in you, the strength, the maturity, the healing, the, the gifts, the supernatural, the accomplishments, all these things, if you have all of these things, and love isn't a part of that, you're, it's nothing. None of it's, none of it's worth anything. And the, the, let's keep in focus here, the love that Paul's talking about here is agape love, not not the, the love of brother or sister or married couples. He's talking about God's love, uh, a selfless love, the kind of love that God loves with. And Paul's saying that love is the context for all of these things to happen. That love is the main ingredient. He's saying that love is the reason for all the rest. In fact, in verse 13, he says this, These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I mean, why this insistence on love? I mean, when I was a young man and preachers would stand up and talk about love, I'd be like, oh, love. Like, I just want to go conquer something. I want to beat something. I want to achieve something. What's the whole lovey stuff? That's... Is that for hippies? You know, like, I, you know, I just was, didn't really enjoy that kind of preaching. So why this insistence on love from Paul? Well, in John, in John chapter 15 through 17, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And then in verse 17, he prays to God the Father in front of his disciples, with his disciples there. And it's, a, it's an awesome prayer uh, and right after he's done praying the prayer, he's arrested uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the night he's betrayed and all those things. But it's interesting how he ends his prayer. It's very interesting. In, in John chapter 17, verse 26, this is the last line of his prayer. I have made you known to them. Now remember, he's praying to God the Father. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Let's just pause here for a minute. Lots of mission statements in church. Go and tell the world, make disciples. And some, you know, cooler, trendy churches say, you know, to make him known, right? Like, that's, that's our work, is to make God known. But Jesus goes on in his prayer. In order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. So, Jesus here summarizes his purpose. Yes, it's to make God known, but there's a reason and a purpose for making God known. And that's this. That the love that the Father has for Christ 
would be in them. That's the purpose. That's the reason. Making God known was not the end purpose. We need to understand that. Because there's, there, in all of us, I, I, I'm assuming, there's this piece of us that we just feel like our role might just be to proclaim and make God known. I just got to preach and make God known. Shout it out to the rooftops. We got to make God known. Put it on a billboard. Uh, drive down the road. Stand on a street corner. Whatever. We got to make God known. It's true. But there's a reason for making God known. It's supposed to lead to something. Your role is to not just stand up here and say, God must be known. God the Father, He loves you. Like, it's, it's, that's not it. It's so that the love of the Father, the same love that Christ was loved with, is in you. That's the end result. That's, that's what we're striving for. Because if we think our striving is just to make God known... Guess what? Even the demons know who God is. That doesn't mean they're going to heaven. The demons in hell know who God is. The goal is not to make God known. The goal is to have the love of God the Father in the hearts of men and women. So what does that mean for you and me? That everything that God is doing in your life in your life, through you, every gift, every healing, every blessing, every supernatural experience is given so that the love of God would be in you and in me. All the things we're talking about are calling. Our calling, who God's creating us to be, these discovering who we are in Christ. And all these things are amazing. But we do this not, not just for us, in that we discover God's love in us, and, and that's important. And then the work that we do, the reason we exercise, the reason we continue to grow, the reason we discover our gifts and put them into use, is so that the love of God would be in others as well. Some of, you, some of you look like, huh? Like, it's processing. And I get that. I was raised in church like, hey, man, you just need to make God known. You just stand on a street corner and preach. Whatever happens, happens. And I, I disagree. Because our end goal is not to just preach the gospel. Our end goal is to preach the gospel in such a way that the love of God enters the hearts of men and women. We don't just exercise our gifts because God gave them to them. We exercise our gifts in such a way that the love of God enters the hearts of men and women. The blessings that we receive, we have our blessings and we have them so that they can be shared so that the love of God enters the hearts of men and women. So all of these, the context is love. All that Jesus did, everything he preached, every miracle he did, his sacrifice on the cross, all of it, was so that God would be made known, so that the love that God had would be in them. Jesus' own words. 
in order that the love you have for me may be in them. It's the purpose. Jesus, in John chapter 13, verse 34, told his disciples this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, which means in the same way, in the same manner that I have loved you, so you love one another. And so you're calling. We've been talking about it for three months. And as you discover your calling, as you grow in who God's invited you to be, as you, as you become a mature Christian and you, you have this great exchange, you in, the hope is that you will experience God's love in you. And, and we could preach a whole sermon this morning on, on it's the same love that God had for Christ. It's not an inferior, think about that. The same love that God the Father loves God the Son with is the same love he wants to love you with and wants that to be in your heart. And that's his mission. And that only happens when God is made known. But the end result is that the love of God would be in your heart not that God would be known. So it matters how we make God known. Because we can make God known as a judgmental, angry God. Right? And we can try to scare people to God. But I don't read anything in Jesus' words that refer to God as a scary father. I see him as a loving father who wants the world to know how much he loves them and wants to be in them and with them for eternity. People choose to go to hell. In the same way that Jesus Christ loved, we love one another. So our calling, our healing, our growth, our gifts, our strengths... It's all meant to be shared. It's all meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared so that the love of God would be in others as well as in us. And, and I, I, I speak this way this morning because uh, if you're visiting with us, just you, know, you just happen to get lucky to be here this morning for this. We, we've been talking about this for three months. And it's important for us to understand this because as we mature in Christ, we tend to forget this. We, 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 we tend, it tends to be about just us and God and the people around us that are like us. And, and it feels comfortable to be around people who are like us, who love God, who have God in them as well. But they already have God in them. They already have the love of the Father in them. So life becomes more enjoyable to sit back and raise our families and go to softball games and sing cool songs with each other and just encourage one another and nothing is wrong with any of that, but we forget that all of that is supposed to be shared. It's supposed to be shared with a world that has a huge void inside here 
And they're looking to fill that void. And they're looking to fill that void with all kinds of things. And we, we know what fills that void. So it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a incur, strong encouragement to if, you, if you've received the love of God the Father in your heart and you look at all the things God has blessed you with and equipped you with and strengthened you with and you're you're on the road enjoying life more than you did last year or the, in the year before, not because maybe you're having this huge prosperity of material goods, but just you're a solid person inside. All of that is meant to be shared so that others can experience the love of God and grow in the same way with which you're growing. That's the context for our calling. It's the reason. It's the secret ingredient. It's what we, sh- the activities, it's, it's, all of our activities should be laced with love. So I challenge you this morning, if, if you, if you've experienced the love of God, to begin to just ask yourself, how can I share in such a way that other people could experience God's love? You're like, well, I, I I'm not, Pastor, I'm not a gifted speaker. Okay, you don't have to be a gifted speaker to share God's love. You don't have to be a pastor or a teacher. You can just be you. Because you is, you is what the world needs. <laughs> you is what the world needs. You, with God in you, I get, I'll, I'll venture to say there's a bunch of people in the world who are just like you, who don't have Jesus. And you are the exact person who can introduce them to the love of the Father. Because he's gifted you, he's equipped you for just the perfect person to bring it to those people. So go find your people. Share what God has done in your life. Love them. Love them into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you guys, but I'm going to ask Adam, can you go uh, get the kids? We're going to have the kids come down with us when we dedicate the children this morning, but I want to give them time uh, to do that. So uh, let me pray for you this morning. I, I encourage you just, I hope that the Holy Spirit's challenging you today. One, if you've never received the love of God in your heart, that you would, you would hear today that the reason God wants to be made known is not to judge the world, which it, that's just will happen at, at some point. But it's to actually fill people's hearts with his love so that they would know his love. That's God's desire. And if you've never experienced God's love in your heart, you've never heard him say that, uh, I approve of you, I, I love you, I, I want you to be with me, then I, I, ask, I challenge you just to pray and ask him to come into your life so that you can feel his love. If you felt the love of God today, I want to pray and challenge you that who can you share that with? Especially for those of us, uh, I'm 48 years old. I got saved when I was three. 
I say that because my mom got saved when I was three, and she dragged me to church the rest of my life. And at some point, I forget when I was in my teenage years or early teen years, I personally said my own prayer, but I've never known anything other than a God environment. I just think it's normal. This is how everybody is, but it's just not true. Statistically, 2.5% of people in Barnstable County recognize God in the way that you and I recognize God. There's a lot of people left to talk to. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you this morning um, that your word gives us direction. It equips us. Uh, we've been grateful to be on this journey of discovery of who we are and what you've done in us and through us and how you're developing us and all of those kinds of things. But Lord, we're reminded today that all of that in the context is love. That it's, you did it because of your love for us. You continue to do it because of your love for us. You want us to understand your love, but you also want us to share it out of love. We pray today, Lord, that you begin to open our eyes and begin to move our feet and to move our hands so that it's not just theoretical and speak, but it's in, done in actuality. That we love people, that we demonstrate all of these things so that they may know you in order that your love may be in them. Lord, we give you permission to continue to spur us on and move us towards these things. We ask this in your name. Amen.